This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. When you look at the companies that are impacting much of society and business right now, you may immediately think about institutions like Apple and Facebook and Google and Amazon. But what is it that brought these four from fledgling status to economic superstars in a relatively short time frame? Scott Galloway is a professor at the New York University Stern School of Business. He's also author of the new book that tries to answer that question and others. It is titled The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. And it's a pleasure to have Scott joining us right now. Scott, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I mean, it is amazing to to not only see the levels to which these companies are sitting now, but as I said, to see how far they have come in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, since 2008, these companies have added more market capitalization or than the GDP of India. So the the value accretion and the influence is just staggering. Outside of the benefits that a lot of these companies have received from the access to the Internet that that we have and and all of the data, what are the other elements that that you see that maybe they have in common uh, that have really propelled their growth? So I think each of them taps into a, a fairly basic instinct. I think Google taps into our need for a super being and some sort of divine authority to help us answer questions. We used to look to the skies and pray, will my kid be all right? Now we type in symptoms and treatment of croup into the Google query box. One in six questions presented to Google have never been asked before in the history of mankind, kind of, kind of intimating its incredible authority. Facebook, I believe, calls on our instinct to not only be loved, but to love others and using photographs catalyzes and strengthens relationships. Uh, Amazon is our consumptive gut. We have a need for more. The penalty for too little is starvation. The penalty for too much is lethargy or gluttony, which is a a fraction of the downside of too little. So open your cupboards, open your closets. You have 10 to 100x what you really need. And finally, I think Apple calls on our reproductive instinct, and that is the iPhone is the new way to signal that you have good genes. It says you're part of the innovation class. It says you're successful, and it says that you are a worthy mate. Well, the Apple part to it, I'll start there in in looking at these four. Uh, And when you think uh, of the ecosystem that Apple has put together in in the last uh, two decades, uh, I I mean, it's it's incredible to the point where now, as you said, people want to be seen with an iPhone because that is is to a degree a status symbol or they want to be seen, you know, uh, you know, having some sort of. you know, Apple product one way or the other. It's just become the the, be, the buy-in for a lot of Americans right now. Well, if you look at the watch industry and the apparel industry, they both um, incurred significant losses or a huge, a huge decline in shareholder value across, across most, many or most of them. And we look at the overstoring of America. We look at you know, too many retail, too much competition. But I would argue that Apple is the new way we indicate or signal um, sort of self-expressive benefit. And it used to be through clothes uh, and watches and shoes and jewelry, but I think Apple has taken the place of, of these items. But the, the Apple Watch, which you mentioned, 
is kind of the one that really hasn't caught on as much as the other one. Certainly that, you know, there have been a lot of Apple watches that have been sold, but the, but the use of it or the want to have it isn't, it feels like it isn't as high as some of the other products that they have. I think that's right. You know, the, your, the Apple watch has become a second screen for what is the most important item or accessory now. And that's the iPhone. And I don't, I'm not sure the Apple Watch will be around in three to five years, but it doesn't matter because what Apple has been able to pull off, mostly through the iPhone, but also the supporting ecosystem, is a company that has the the production volumes of Toyota with the operating margins of Ferrari. Apple's pulled off the, the impossible in business in that it's a low-cost producer, yet the premium price product. And as a result, Apple's going to do double the profits this quarter uh, than Amazon has done in its entire history as a company. We've never had a company this profitable. Where do you see the, the, the pitfalls for uh, switching gears here uh, for a company like Facebook? Because obviously what we're seeing now with, with issues of, you know, a variety of, of social media elements online dealing with, you know, everything from interference in uh, the run-up to the election by, by Russian elements to cyberbullying to, you know, other issues that they're dealing with. Where are the pitfalls for a company like like Facebook? Well, I, I believe the worm has turned against big tech. I think we, up until just a couple months ago, engaged in what I would refer to as a gross idolatry of innovators and youth that really manifested around these few companies and that they weren't subject to the same scrutiny that the rest of business endures. The weaponization, if you will, of Facebook, and recently learned Google, I think has really highlighted some issues around what it means to be a media company and not have the safeguards and checks that some of the other media companies have in place. And we're asking some very difficult questions. And also, like any crisis, where it turns into a major crisis is when you don't respond or kind of address the issue. And I think there's been a series of half measures that have come out of Facebook. First, it was 250 employees to monitor safety. Then it went to 1,000. But I don't think they've really addressed issue. Well, and it almost feels like, and and I'd be interested to get your opinion on whether or not this is something that, you know, when Mark Zuckerberg was sitting around coming up with the idea of Facebook, that, that he should have considered. And, and obviously, to a degree, I think it's it's a little bit of a new element, but I think you have to go in looking at an, an entity of building out something like Facebook and say, okay, where are the issues? Where can we potentially see the pitfalls? And it doesn't feel like that occurred. Yeah, and you know, in his defense, I don't think I don't even think he probably imagined it would that sixty percent of news uh, Americans would get sixty percent of their sixty percent Americans would get their news from social media. So it's it's an incredible business model to have other people creating our content. It's an incredible business model to not have the friction of human intervention around who's advertising on your platform. It's incredible for your profitability, but it's sort of the equivalent of a pool. I'm a member of a beach club, and the beach club would be more profitable if there was no lifeguard there. Right. And the same thing's happened here. There's no editors, there's no people screening the content or the advertisers, and as a result, that injects some danger into the system. We're talking with Scott Galloway, who is the author of the book, The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. You're more than welcome to give us your thoughts or your questions about any of those four companies. 
The way to do so is either by phone at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Switching to Amazon for a little bit, uh, their growth, obviously, on a variety of different fronts is is just incredible to look at. Are, are they probably going to be the, the first trillion-dollar valuation company? So the, the easy guess would be Apple because they're closest. I, right. I think it's $750 billion. But I, I believe, I think the good money is on Amazon. If you look at Amazon's momentum and where it butts up or competes against the other three, they're winning. Whether it's on search, while Google controls 90-plus points a share for all of search, Amazon now controls 55% of product search, up from 44 in 2015, where they compete against Apple in streaming video, and in computer hardware, as we were discussing, the most innovative Apple or the most innovative hardware product of 15 and 16 wasn't the Apple Watch or the Apple Pods, but Amazon's Echo device. You can go through each yeah. of them, and wherever they're butting up against each other, Amazon is winning. I don't think we've ever seen a company with this much momentum or strategic advantages we do see in Amazon right now. Well, and, and I think some people may have wondered how something like Amazon Whole Foods was going to work out. And, and seemingly that element to uh, Amazon's operation uh, feels like that can that can be a big winner as well. Yeah, I would argue that Whole Foods will be to Amazon what Instagram was to Facebook. I think it's going to be one of the best acquisitions in the history of that sector. And hmm. essentially what you have is overnight, Amazon now has permission or license to get into the wealthiest refrigerators in the nation. The only way you create intensity across those 60% of households that now have a relationship with Prime is to offer grocery. And for what was a 2 or 3% dilution, Amazon now has 500 well-lit warehouses with proximity to the wealthiest households in America, access to long tail brands, this was a this was a genius acquisition. Well, then, then how do you see the the reaction in that specific sector of uh, of the economic world? How do you see the reaction of a company like Walmart? Obviously, they are trying to do what they can to keep their share of the market. I, I think, to a degree, they feel like they can take away from Amazon. Do you think that's even possible? So. People tend to pit it as a win-lose between Amazon and Walmart. I think they're actually both going to do pretty well in a digital age. Walmart has, A, it's an incredibly well-run company, largest grocer, fantastic net promoter scores across grocery. And also, they're, they're not the fuddled prey waiting around for Amazon to disrupt them. They're making a series of acquisitions. They're doing some interesting things, both in terms of acquiring Jet.com to sort of be an adrenaline shot to the heart around their e-commerce, their acquisition of Bonobos, their click and collect, trying to take advantage of their stores. And you know, as we've seen, the stocks actually perform pretty well. So I don't think it's an either or. You know, Who will be successful, Amazon or Walmart? I think mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Scott Galloway is the author of the book, The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. He is a professor at New York University, their school of business. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. For, for Google, where, where is that next mountain to climb in your mind? So the next battleground across most of them, uh, I would argue, is in the home. 
Uh, yeah. And there's a variety of different players that to capture people's attention or more of their attention graph in their home seems to be the next frontier. There's been this enormous battle waged over the screen in terms of the phone. Netflix, Amazon are now waging that battle on your and Apple on your on your the second most important screen, your television. But the notion of being being the relationship vis-a-vis voice in the home, that seems like the next battleground. And Google and is playing catch up and Apple kind of gave up the early lead to, you guessed it, Amazon. But I think the next big battlefront is voice, artificial intelligence, and the battlefield is going to be the home. Because of the, because of the growth of the Internet of Things and the connectivity that we're going to see, I mean, that we see now to a degree, but even probably more so in the next decade or so. Well, it's <laughs> the, the most lucrative battleground is wherever people are spending the most time and captures their attention. Right. And the phone is the place that captured more and more attention over the last 10 or 20 years, specifically smartphones. But if a third of computing by 2020 is done without a screen, the question then becomes, well, how is it done? And the answer is it's done with voice. And the place you might be ordering more and more groceries, ordering up more and more media, asking more and more questions uh, that involve some sort of a purchase, logically, that will be the home. And if it's dotted with dots from Amazon and you can manicure your grocery list, list request for quotes for auto insurance for your car mm-hmm. or schedule to pick up your kid to order an Uber and it's done via voice, <laughs> that might be the next, if you will, r- real kind of multi-trillion dollar opportunity. And I think they all recognize that and are going after it hard. So then when you think about some of the, the traditional sectors that, you know, I'm 50 years of age and, and when, you know, I grew up with going to the movie theater. Uh, and obviously that's a much different world now in terms of, uh, of viewing content. Uh, obviously the traditional grocery store. All of them seemingly have concerns of where they potentially are going to go in the future. Who do you think has the greatest concern? Oh, gosh, all of them. Yeah. And not only that, the disruption happens before it actually happens. What I mean by that is in between the time that Amazon announced the acquisition of Whole Foods and when it closed, the largest pure play grocer in America lost a third of its value, Kroger's. And keep in mind, Whole Foods is only one eleventh the size of Kroger. So yeah. if you didn't know Amazon had acquired Whole Foods, you wouldn't know. It wasn't as, it wasn't as if Kroger's business changed a lot overnight. Yeah. But it's the expectation that Amazon is going to destroy industry after industry. It's happening in movie theaters. AMC stock is off hugely. So it's not what industry will Amazon disrupt. It's more... It's more difficult to think about what industries in the consumer world it won't disrupt, but it is happening everywhere. So let me ask you this, and this is just a wild thought here off the top of my head. When you're talking about the potential of these four companies, it's seemingly to me that even a Goliath of a company like Comcast could be a takeover target of one of these companies in the future. Oh, I agree. I don't think anybody's safe. And if you look at these companies, they're now in sort of a defensive posture. They have incredible assets. They have cash flow. But if you look at the television, this this was supposed to be a place that was somewhat immune from these players. And now all of these players are doing things like bidding on sports. It's only a matter of time before the Super Bowl 
the rights of the Super Bowl are purchased by one of the four. And they're, they're, they are a formidable competitor. Name an enormous consumer industry with multi-billions of dollars in margin. Right. That's Latin for they are a target or one of the four has their eyes set on it. So nobody is safe. Are, are there companies that are not within this group that are maybe on the fringe of the uh, of those four that, that could be able to make a move where – in the next five to 10 years, they could be considered to be in this group. And you're going from four companies to five or six super companies that are running pretty much everything. Yeah. So who is, I have a chapter called who is the fifth horseman. And I try and go through what are the features or components of being a five or $700 billion market cap company, and then apply that same criteria to try and identify who might be next. Now, there probably is a fifth horseman right now, and that's Microsoft. But I didn't write about Microsoft because I think of it as a B2B company. In terms of the new guys, the one that is probably in striking distance right now is Netflix. Because at the end yeah. of the day, these companies are all operating systems for media, for information, for retail. And Netflix is becoming an operating system for the second most important screen in our lives, and that's the television. Millennials spend more time watching Netflix than the rest of cable television combined. So Netflix is on the verge potentially of being in the same weight class. People talk about Amazon versus Walmart being a huge battle. I think the battle that's really shaping up to be the celebrity death match of the next decade is Amazon and Netflix, who I believe are going to start competing against each other. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Scott Galloway is our guest. He is the author of The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. So, I mean, we have seen incredible amount of change in retail in the last few years to begin with. I think pretty much everybody realizes that we're going to see continuing change uh, in, in the years to come. And just playing off of the, the video element to what we were talking about, you're looking at the potential of seeing the death of the movie theater industry, I would think, sometime in the next you know 10 to 20 years. Yeah, I think it'll be similar to the magazine and the newspaper industry. And the movie theaters aren't going to go away. It's just going to be a difficult place to work or invest. And you know, we knew we knew Blockbuster was going out of business, but sure. we thought it was going out of business in 1998, and it took another 14 years. So right. people were still going to the, go to the movie theater, but your home viewing experience is getting better and better. The original content available in your home is getting better and better. So we will film will continue to leak leak consumers' revenues and talent and capital to television in home. So yeah, movie theaters, that, that business is going to be challenged for a but while. Even though the experience in many cases is so good for the consumer, do you have concerns of these companies having so much influence over almost everything that we do? Very much so. I believe we engage in, as a society in what I would refer to as the gross idolatry of youth and innovators, and that these companies are not subject to the same scrutiny as the rest of business. If the terrorists in San Bernardino had been using a BlackBerry and BlackBerry or RIM out of Waterloo, Canada had refused a court order from the FBI to let the FBI get into the phone to see if other terrorist activities were unfolding and they had refused it, I believe we would have had a trade embargo proposed against Canada within 48 hours. But we've decided that the Apple iPhone is the new object of worship. They shouldn't call it the iPhone 10. They should call it the iPhone cross. 
We let these companies um, engage in massive tax avoidance. We don't yeah. hold them responsible as media companies the same way we hold other media companies responsible. Uh, I, I think we these companies get the mother of all hall passes in terms of Again, they're just not subject to the same standards and scrutiny as the rest of business. And, and having any kind of tax holiday, which is potentially being proposed by the uh, by the administration, any kind of tax holiday, it helps to a degree in the short term, but it doesn't help in the long term. Well, it's, I mean, that, that involves a lot of uh, geopolitics and economics, and there's a lot of companies that engage in tax avoidance. But you're starting to see the worm has turned and where, where you're going to see intervention is not where people think it's going to come from. It's not going to come from Washington. It's going to come out of Europe. Uh, in America, we register tremendous upside from these companies and also some downside in terms of do- job destruction or privacy or tax avoidance. Right. But Europe registers all of the downside and a fraction of the upside. So you're going to see intervention. You're going to see the, the probably the first $10 billion-plus fine, but it's going to come out of continental Europe, not from Washington. Scott, thank you very much for your time today. It's a phenomenal book. Thank you very much. It it was a pleasure to talk to you about it. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Scott Galloway, who is a professor at New York University in their School of Business. The book is The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Got a great uh, review from our friend Jonah Berger here uh, at the Wharton School, right on the front cover of the book. And many thanks to Scott. And and again, it's available in bookstores and available online right now. Uh, Pick it up because it's a really interesting look at those four companies and where they are headed and where we are all headed with them. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.